love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, it is April 3rd. And I feel like Triathlon World was like very excited this year for April Fool's jokes on April Ugh, 1st. It was like, I hate April Fool's jokes. Too. I just wish it like didn't really exist. It's like, I don't know. I saw, but luckily I don't, I don't think I really oh. UVA actually did a pretty good one where they had the president of the university. He said, like, we've thought about it a lot, our marketing strategy. We've been known as UVA forever, but we've really studied it. And the U and the V have significant meaning, but the A just really stands for nothing. So we're taking it away. And like, they did this whole video, like a reel on Instagram. It was like a big marketing push. And that was the first thing I think I saw when I woke up in the morning. And I, it definitely took me like a little bit to be like, wait a second, this is like, but like people fell for it. So that was it was like so such a good one and so big. I feel like then my brain was like the rest of the day. It's April Fool's Day, so I wasn't tricked by anything else. But did you did you get fooled by anything? I think I did. I think I did get fooled, but I don't want to even admit. Like <laughs> I I hate looking at the internet on April first. I oh I just like I dislike everything, but I couldn't avoid it because I was watching the races this mm -hmm. weekend because the uh, Oceanside 70.3 had live streaming and it was on April Fool's Day, but I don't think they threw in any tricks with that. I mean, maybe having Taylor Nib as part of the broadcast instead of racing, but I don't think that was April Fool's. Um, I actually felt like April, or the, uh, Taylor did a great job broadcasting. She did so good. It was really, I mean, I thought it was really fun to hear her insightfulness and she seemed like a natural to be able to just talk, talk off the cuff like that. I could see that when they were just kind of throwing some questions at her and being like, all right, Taylor, like keep talking, keep talking. And she did so good. And I think it was a really fun, like balanced, balanced to Dee and Michael. And like, yeah, I really enjoyed having her there. Yeah. I know that Dee Dee asked her why she wasn't racing. And she said she'd had an injury late in 2022 and just wasn't quite ready to race yet. So we do wish her the best of luck with her, uh, her recovery because it is very fun to watch her, but, um, bravo to Taylor Dib on her, on her broadcasting debut, but let's also talk about that race. Um, Tamara Jewett. Wow. one thirteen oh oh run split, which of course was like, what got us all talking, but she had a great swim and a great bike as well. You guys, I just want everyone to really stop right now and think about a 113 run split. Holly Lawrence ran a 115 run split. I mean, these- or Chelsea. Chelsea or ran Chelsea, 115. Or Chelsea Sadar. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Chelsea ran. And then, I mean, like, Haley, I was just, like, my mind is still trying to wrap itself around how fast the women are now racing. And the fact that like two years ago, I was racing 70.3s against these women. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it is like a new ballpark. And like, I, I just feel like it's just like totally like, it's just so fast. I think I really want people to stop and appreciate how fast a 113 off the bike is. It is so fast, so fast. 
I think, yeah, it is. It's very, very exciting for Tamara. I feel like, you know, she, she first on the scene with these great run splits has been really obviously working on her swim and her bike. She's shown, you know, these like sparks of brilliance. I think the Collins cup last year, her swim and her bike were just like really good and put her in a good, good position. And then that race in Oceanside, like she just, she, you know, made running past Chelsea Sedera, who's running 115 pace, like we're Ironman world defending Ironman world champion right there or reigning Ironman world champion. And Tamara went by her, like, like no big deal, but incredible racing. Um, uh, Kat Matthews in third, which was great to see her back on a start line. I mean, just, just all around, uh, you know, thank you to those women for, for incredible entertainment on, on my Saturday morning, because it got me pretty fired up for sure. Um, you know, I personally, I, I like missed a little bit of it because I was on the treadmill running much, much slower. (laughs) And then I finished and I'm like, I got to figure out how to get faster. So they've lit a fire for me as well. Haley, I missed some because I, I took Max for a 30 minute jog outside and I literally had to come home early because I was bonking on my 30 minute jog. (laughs) You're only one week post marathon. You're allowed to bonk on that, but, um, but it was, it was a great weekend. I mean, and then I don't know if you caught another big Canadian win this past week weekend, but summer Macintosh swimmer, 16 year old swimmer broke two world records over the weekend. Well, at the I Canadian did not see this. Trials. Uh, she broke the world record in the 400 free Alyssa. So if you remember Tokyo, 2020 slash 2021 Olympics, the marquee event was the 400 free Ariane Titmus from Australia, Katie Ledecky from the U S you know, going at it very close race. Ariane did win that Ariane was, is, was the reigning world record holder. And now 16 year old summer Macintosh went in and beat wow. both of them. So Oof. who, I mean, that race in Paris in just like a year and a little change is going to be insane. I mean, how does the most exciting event get even more exciting? And then a couple of days later, uh, summer comes back and breaks the world record in the 400 IM. And I think this is the first time ever that the 400 free and the 400 IM like world records have been held by the same person. That is not like a typical double. And she's only 16 years old. It's just like, it's, 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 wonderful and magical and I'm happy for her, but also I'm like, how, how is this? I mean, again, I just want everyone to like, next time you're swimming break down this time into 25s. Right. And be like, I like, I can't even swim 25 this time. Right. It's like 356, 356, three, I think was the 400 free. So 400 meter free 356. Um, her 400 IM, I believe was, uh, 425. I, I should double check that 425. I think the Katinka Hozu's record was 426. So, I mean, coming home in the 400 IM in one double O, um, I think, I mean, if I could swim a one double O yards, I'd be pretty psyched <laughs> Like uh, without, the, the, paddles. <laughs> without the fly back breast ahead of time. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so cool to, uh, to see what, what women and humans are capable of right now. And, um, yeah, I just, it, I, again, great weekend for Canadian women Ooh. athletes. <laughs> No, that is, that is awesome. And Haley, I, this week was doing a lot of marathon recovery. I feel like I finally kind of turned to that corner where like my body is feeling a little bit more normal. And, um, but since I had some more time on my hands, I was using it to kind of get into the gear closet, pull out some things I'm going to be needing. And this month, Haley, I am racing my first official swim run race. So I pulled out my 
orca swim run wetsuit. I tried it all on. I like put together my special swim run buoy with the tethers. And I like ordered some extra wrist straps for my paddles because I pulled them out and threw them out a long time ago. And then I'm now I'm like, oh, apparently we need these actually when you do swim run sport. So oh. I, and you like safety pin them so that like, it doesn't fly oh. while racing, you know? So lots of little ticks tips and tricks I'm learning here and very it's fun it's like it's I don't know it's it's nice because it is I mean gear is always fun right I'm a triathlete at heart and I love playing with gear and like all of that stuff so it's cool I'm excited to wait are you open water swimming already in Vermont no Haley not quite yet just I thought about maybe bringing it to the pool but I don't know I don't think I will for this because this is kind of like our entry level into swim run race but as soon as the lakes, they're not unfrozen yet. So okay, the lakes here unfreeze. <laughs> and I think my threshold is going to be 50 degrees and air temperature, I think above 50 degrees also. Then, although I kind of like the fact of, I kind of like it when the water feels warmer than the air, but I think in this instance, you don't want that. Yeah, some like, 50 so. is cold. Like even yeah. in the West it's yeah. cold. But um, but that's uh that is exciting though. We're trending in the right direction and you're getting stuff. Wait, when is when is this race? What's the date? April 22nd. So I'm doing oh, a double, I'm doing double soon. racing this soon, Haley. I am racing a 24 hour adventure race April 15th in a couple weeks, and then following weekend, turning around, heading to North Carolina and doing the swim run. And how far is the swim run? I think it's a, it's like a, it's not that much swimming in the grand scheme of things. I want to say it was like eight, six to eight K of swimming. And then I think it's like 18 miles though of running. So that'll okay. be interesting. I um, feel like it, your legs are not going to be above 50 degrees Fahrenheit by then. No, no, I will <laughs> not. Frozen I don't think right I'll now. get to practice. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, we haven't had the endless winter that you quite have, but we do, we still have snow on the ground, even though it is looking a little bit more like spring. So I'm thinking once I get down to North Carolina will be my first chance to jump in a lake. And I think it's even cold down there, to be honest. I think like I've heard the water's probably in the fifties in the lake there. So, um, that should give us, give us some good practice, but, um, I am excited to try out that Orca swim run wetsuit. And I noticed Orca has like a new thermal wetsuit. I think they actually have like a new thermal swim run wetsuit too. And so for others looking at these swim run events this year, check those out. And if you do want 15% off, use code ironwomen15 um, at orca.com, orcasports.com. One of those, one of those will get you there. <laughs> uh, okay. And Alyssa, I, I heard we have a mailbag question this week. Are we going to, are we going to tackle a mailbag question? We are Haley. So our mailbag is ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Keep sending in these great questions, everyone. We are really enjoying having these come in. And this comes in from Lizzie. And Lizzie is wondering about some nutrition stuff. So this is a good question. She's doing her fourth 70.3 in June. And one thing she is working on is how to intake nutrition and hydration on the course, specifically on the bike. So she says she has a pretty good plan, like of what she should be taking in calories, carbs, electrolytes. And, but she just feels like to get that in, she has to be eating and drinking the entire race to keep up with it. So she's thinking about when she watches like pro races and she feels like she rarely sees people eating and drinking on the course, except for an occasional sip here and there. So she's like, 
what's going on. Are you guys actually eating and drinking more? Maybe you're not actually doing that. Like what's going on? Uh, a little bit more context. It takes her three hours to do 56 miles, which is quite speedy. And, um, you know, she's breaks down her strategy, which is actually really good. I think, um, we both looked at it and it's like, it makes, it's a great strategy, plenty of calories and eating things like honey stinger waffles, honey stinger chews, and then drinking noon and water. Um, uh, what sounds like three bottles of, of hydration in there. So she's just frustrated because she feels like she's biking strong, but then it's slowing her down as she slows down to be taking in all that nutrition that's required. So this was a good question. And Haley, I like, remember the days of the old school power bar bars that you used to just open up before your ride and like lay it on that top tube. And you would just like eat it off your top tube. <laughs> as I you did were. that. And you didn't have to slow down at all to be fueling. It was, <laughs> it was great. I, I have done that. Um, first off, I will, I, I do want to say like watching the pros, I don't know if that is like, I feel like that doesn't show the whole picture because I do know that sometimes when I've had a camera on me, um, my first inclination is not to eat <laughs> because it's not very appealing to like, watch you shoving something in your mouth? Um, while the camera's on, you know, you know, the camera's there, the moto's there. It's very loud. Um, obviously sometimes athletes have a moto there for long enough that it's like, there's no getting around it, but I also feel like sometimes probably in the broadcast when they're showing things, they don't necessarily want to show people eating. Occasionally they do, I think, because then the commentators have something to talk about, but, uh, it just, it isn't, it isn't though always the most attractive thing. And, and also it is, you do practice this to like get stuff in your mouth really fast. And, and so you might not, maybe we're like better at it, at hiding it than, than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that was my first thought, just like watching the pros. Um, I mean, a lot of people do take, probably take in liquid calories. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. It's like a lot of the times they are taking the sips, which is a bulk of their calories a lot of times. Um, and just, you would never know by watching them just sip the bottle. Right. Yeah. So I think that, um, there are calories in, in those sips, but I, her, her, her plan didn't like stand out as terrible to me. I will say that one thing I always encourage my athletes and myself to do is take calories in when the race is already a little slower. So that's like, if you're going uphill, um, you're already going a little bit slower. And so you can kind of take a little bit of a time to, to, you know, put a chew in your mouth or put a couple. Um, I usually actually break things up into like shorter, like smaller bites, shorter time periods, just to like keep myself going. It also makes time go by pretty fast. But, um, but when the race is slower, that's when you can like try to, to get some calories in. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that, um, you know, with honey stinger waffles or chews, like those come in packages and, um, while you might not be able to like, I guess you could with the chews, like stick them on your top too, but they would probably fly off at some point. Um, but like having most bikes now, like you'll either have a bento box or some bikes have like that built-in storage where you might be able to put your snacks and like unwrapping things, um, at least cracking that wrapper open. Right. So you don't have to have, um, like be futzing with that to like get two hands and like rip things open and figure that out while you're riding is good. Or just, um, a lot of times I'll encourage people to like, especially if it's like a long, like 70.3 is long enough where you're taking in enough chews where 
if you have two packs of them, maybe just putting them all into a Ziploc, putting that Ziploc in the top of your bike. And then like kind of in the morning of the race, like folding it open so that literally you're just like reaching in and popping it in your mouth as you're continuing to ride as hard as you are. The only thing you do kind of need to be careful with is um, sometimes when you come out of the water, you're really wet, right? And like you could be dripping or if you're really sweaty or if you're like pouring water on your head because you're so hot, right? Like if that those drips are coming off of you into your snack box, then it gets really gross and you have to eat it anyway. And it's really gross. (laughs) That is the key though. You have to eat it anyway. Cause I'm definitely guilty of that. Um, but it's better than bonking. Bonking is the worst. It just feels like everything tastes bad. Yeah. Everything is, (laughs) everything is gross. Everything is bad. If when you get to like a certain point in the race. Um, so it's just like, just think of it as calories and do what you got to do. Um, but it sounds like it's something I, I like, I like the unwrapping advice. I think that's really good. And probably something that we all like take for granted. And, and you are right. Bikes these days sometimes do have some built-in storage and using those storage and then practicing in, in training and mm-hmm. which is a pain sometimes. Then you might have to like clean it all out and make sure, you know, bugs don't go get in there. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's good to practice it. But thank you, Lizzie, for that question. And again, anyone else can send in questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. All right. And we have a fun interview this week um, for, especially if you're a a fan of Disney races. Um, So last October, Alyssa, the Ironman World Championships in in Hawaii, they were historic for several reasons. One being men and women raced on two separate days, but the second being that that broadcast and like the race for the first time had two women on the ground as race announcers in, in Hawaii that never happened previously. And, and one of those women was Joanne Murphy, who's been a previous podcast guest. And the second is our guest today, guest today, Carissa Galloway. So Carissa does have a long history of race announcing, including those incredibly popular run Disney races. And so we talked to her a lot about, about run Disney. I think we, we recorded this conversation just after the Walt Disney world marathon weekend that was earlier this year. So we asked her about run Disney life, about the courses and about the costumes. And then we also talked to her about how she's added Ironman race announcing to her resume. And we also talked to Carissa about her own running because she has used the Jeff Galloway run walk program to great success. And she also has a book coming out later this year with Jeff Galloway. So we can expect to see a lot of Carissa both on our bookshelves and at some races um, announcing later this year. So we'll have that full conversation right after a word from our sponsors. Hi, Carissa. Welcome to the Iron Woman podcast. Thank you guys. I'm so excited to be with you, Iron Women. It's going to be an exciting year for Iron Women, uh, I think, across the globe. And so I'm excited to chat with you before we dive into that busy season. Yes, it is. It is a big year for us. And and you're a part of that. So we're excited to have you here. And you're a part of almost everything in sports, it seems like, or especially in running and triathlon. Uh, you're a registered dietitian, a race announcer, personal trainer, and an athlete yourself. So how did you get here? Uh, are you an athlete who got interested in nutrition and announcing or an announcer who decided to jump in the race? Well, I'm glad we have a lot of time because that is a story that like doesn't have like an easy answer. And um, I would say I put the word athlete in quotation marks. Um, no, you no. guys are amazing athletes. I am what the Japanese call a hobby jogger. Um, so that would be like where I fit in um, in that. 
Um, so, but I was you're a, you're a two up. hour, two hour, half marathoner. I think you just, I feel like that's like legit. That's, that was, that's a whole nother story about time letting us define our, our expectations and our goals and, um, and super shoes, right? Those are great, but <laughs> that's another conversation all in itself. Um, I, I, I am very proud of my, what my pace is now, but I grew up doing gymnastics, which is surprising if anybody's met me. Cause I'm like five, nine. Um, I did gymnastics like five days a week, you know, as I was a kid, I ran track in high school. I cheered, um, I cheered a little bit on an all-girl squad in co college. So I'm very familiar with sports, but I feel like the most competitive person. Even now when I'm running, I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? You look great. Like, are you having a nice day? You know, and other people are like, <laughs> obviously super focused. So I love sport. And I think that's why I'm a good announcer because I love the sport and I understand the purpose and where everybody is, every level of it. So that doesn't answer your question though, um, how I got to where I am. So the real answer is rooted in my love of Disney. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Cinderella. Like that was, that was my thing. Like I want to be Cinderella. So we went in middle school, actually as part of a gymnastics national meet. And I met Cinderella and I was like, oh, how did you get your job? <laughs> and she was very Cinderella-like. She was like, oh my darling, I was born Cinderella. I was like, oh, you're not going <laughs> to tell me anything, are you? <laughs> um, so that same trip, we were on the Jungle Cruise. Have you guys been on the Jungle Cruise? No. Disney? I what? I, I have know, a big, Disney. I have a big like Disney hole in my life. Like I am so excited to learn more about this because it is such a big part of so many people's lives, but I definitely need some, some education. Oh, in this come area. on down. I will educate you. I will bring you on the ride. We would love to have you down here. Um, the Jungle Cruise is, I think, one of the oldest rides at Walt Disney World, and it's like a boat ride. Alyssa, have you been on it? I mean, the last time I was at Disney, I was young, probably like seven, but if it was there, I don't know, 30 years ago, then I was it's on it. It's like a high energy <laughs> ride, and yes, it was there. You're on this boat, okay. you're like going through the water, and there's like fake animal animatronic animals, and there's a, a guide telling you about them, but they're telling like jokes. They're like, oh, everybody get out your cameras. We're going to, we're going to see something great. Everybody gets out their cameras. It's like the backside of water. Like it's these really cheesy, like, I guess we'd call them now dad jokes. Like one is like, I just remember when I was little, like we have so many species of butterflies and their wingspan ranges from 12 inches to one foot. I thought that was hilarious when I was little. So then I asked this guy, I'm like, well, how did you get your job? And he's like, oh, I'm in the Disney college program. So I was like, all right, you've given me some information. I'm just going to store this little nugget in my sixth grade brain and come back. So I started my first semester at Florida State and they had auditions for the Disney college program, like when I was walking through the quad and I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is so exciting. Um, so I went and auditioned, which at the time there were only four schools in the country that auditioned for like actual entertainment roles, which I didn't know. Um, so I got hired not to be, so I can't say like, I was not friends with Cinderella at that time. Um, but long story short, through that process, I eventually got pulled in to ESPN Wide World of Sports. And I was in school for broadcasting. Like I wanted to be a sideline reporter. That was what I wanted to do. Um, and I guess in my interview process, I had talked about that. So they needed a mascot for the AA baseball team. Uh, so a bunch of us went and auditioned for that. I got that. I was spiked the bear for two days. Apparently not, not good, not great. Um, so they were like, we're going to keep you on the team, but you're going to like 
go in the stands and like talk to the people and like help coordinate the games, which was fine with me because this is, you know, June in Orlando and you're dressed as a bear on a baseball field. So it was much more fun for me. But that's how I got into and ESPN Wide World of Sports. I was eventually auditioned and staffed as a sports host, which is what all of us are there. And then from there in 2005, I announced the marathon and half marathon. It was the first year the marathon and half marathon were on the same day. So they called me. They were like, do you want to announce a marathon? And I was like, I don't know. Do you want me to? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And like, you have to be here at 1 a.m. And I'm like, oh, that. <laughs> And then they were like, but you get paid overtime. And I was like, I was still in college. I was like, good, sold. And then I went home and I can very clearly see this moment. It was my desk in my apartment with one of those captain's chairs with the fabric, you know, that's like a, a wooden frame. And I'm Googling like, how far is a marathon? Because I didn't, like I ran track in high school, but like this marathon was this foreign concept of uh, to my, you know, 20, I was 20 years old, two zero, like to my brain. And so I'm Googling and I'm getting all this information and I'm accepting you know, an elite race. Like that's what I think I'm going to. Like an elite, everybody's super fit. And they are, but it was much different than I expected. It was an amazing learning experience. I'm pretty sure I was terrible. So kudos to them for like bringing me back and to my, one of my mentors, Cree Kelly, for like not being like, who is this girl that's up here? <laughs> like, I don't know what she's talking about. Um, but that's how I got started. And obviously I've been at Disney for the past, I think we're, we always forget, but we started in 2005. So whatever that math worked out to on me and my co-host, John. And then recently this last year, I kind of came over to the triathlon world a little bit more. I'd done some local ones, some Iron Girl ones, um, but kind of came over there. So I do all the things. So I'm still a registered dietitian. I'm still a personal trainer. I'm a race announcer, uh, mom, all those kinds of things. And I do them all because I, I love them all. And they do kind of all, all work together. So my first degree was broadcast journalism. Um, then I went back to school to be a registered dietitian. So it's kind of twofold. That was a and long when, story. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. But when did you start running? I mean, you go from not even knowing how far a marathon was. Yeah. Sounds like you had a bit of a running background, but when did you decide to, to start running? So watching that first marathon, like I said, I was expecting like just, you know, tank tops and singlets and like, you know, super fast people. And I saw fun. I saw people of all shapes and sizes, like there and it was fun for them and they were enjoying it and so I had that moment of like okay you know maybe I could do this so this is going to sound really cheesy but the first person that helped coach me uh was Jeff Galloway who is our training consultant uh for Disney and as you all know now I am married to his son <laughs> um so he was the one who helped me train because he has this run walk run strategy where you know you run for a set amount of time and then you take a walk break and to my brain that made sense. I was like, okay, I don't have to run 26.2 miles. I only have to run for, at that time, it was, I think his ratios were a little different, four minutes. And then I get to walk. Like, I can do that. And that made it approachable to me. And then, as I'm sure everybody has seen, and I say over and over, like, one of the most powerful moments in your life is when you cross a finish line that, like, you didn't think was possible. You know, and it's, it's a moment that, yes, coaches helped you, but, like, you did it. You know, no one made, at that time, I might have been, it was 2006, I'm not 21, 22. It was like the first thing I'd done in my life that wasn't something I had to do. You have to finish high school. Your parents expect you to finish college. They expect all these things. No one expected me to finish a marathon. I did it for me. And that was like a really empowering, you know, feeling. Um, so it just kind of stuck with me. And I, you know, I love, I love running just to run, you know, I'm not a, like, I'm not super competitive with myself, with others. Sometimes I have time goals, but I just love 
the power of how you feel when you're out there. And so Jeff Galloway was already involved with Disney, it sounds like. And is that how you met your, you know, then your, your now husband, but you know, did you meet through that or did you, had you already met him? And then you were like, oh, he was like, oh, by the way, my, my dad is like, maybe could help you get started with running. <laughs> yeah, no, Jeff has been a training consultant with Disney since the first year. So Jeff's been there since we just celebrated 30 years since the Disney marathon. So I started in 2005. Wes and I didn't start dating until 2017. So there was a lot of time um, in between just being around each other. But that's definitely how I got to know my husband was through, you know, obviously knowing his dad and anybody who's met his dad or his mom. I know a lot of people listening are trade athletes, so maybe they're not as familiar with him, but he's one of the nicest humans um, in the world. He's a really passionate running coach. So um, just getting to know his family, his methods, and seeing them throughout the years. And then my husband loves Disney, so that's that's something I need in a relationship. <laughs> I like to do all things Disney. And we're going to get you guys. We're going to bring your, your Disney game up. Don't worry. Yeah. So tell us more about Disney, because I think most recently you announced at the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend. It happened in early January. And some of our listeners I know are for sure run Disney fans. They know much more than me and kind of know how this weekend plays out. But for those of us who, who don't know quite as much, can you tell us about the weekend and your role in all of it? Yeah. So um, every run Disney racing currently has three races. So except for one, so at least have three races. So there's going to be a 5k one day, a 10k and then a half marathon. So it's sort of a bigger weekend of racing and all of them are going to run through at least one Disney park. So I'm one of the announcers. So we're there. We get picked up from our hotel at 1.30 a.m. Uh, there's a crew. My co-host, John, and I have been there both since 2005. Uh, we have a gentleman, Cree, who was the second announcer they ever had. He works marathon weekend. And then we have Tracy and Riley, who are out in the corrals interviewing people. So we have much more of a production than if you have been um, to an Ironman triathlon. We've got video screens, we've got DJs, we've got people dancing. It's a very different, um, fun environment. It's great for first timers, but we do a pre-show in the parking lot where everybody's staged, we come out, the characters are there, and then we're on the start line. It takes us about an hour plus to send everybody off each day. Um, so we're just out there rambling for about two hours, an hour beforehand an hour afterwards. And um, as we're sending all the waves off, I'm just trying to keep people encouraged, inspired, not bored. <laughs> um, you know, we interview them. It's a very, like I said, different environment because we recognize that we're only there because these people love Disney and they wanted to get up at 5am to be there and to do something amazing, whether that's in costume, whether that's a time, whether that's overcoming cancer or doing something with their friend or their husband, everybody has reasons. And so we're just trying to celebrate as many of their reasons as we can as we send them off on their journey. And then we're obviously back there at the finish, like a race announcer would be um, bringing them in. Um, but it's a really cool environment. I mean, costumes, costumes, people spend months making their costumes to run in. And it's really like, they're really clever. Like there's times where I have to be like, please forgive me, you are smarter than me. And I don't know what you are, but I love everything um, that you're doing. We have people running in full ball gowns. We had a guy which is not allowed anymore. He ran a marathon with a sousaphone, which is kind of like a smaller, like tuba type instrument, but it was really big. I was like, what is happening? This man, like, <laughs> so it's a fun environment that you don't find other places. It's a very welcoming environment. And it's great for people that, that love Disney because you get to run through the parks essentially by yourself in the middle of the early morning. And it's pretty cool. We have some, we certainly have a lot of questions here, but um, before <laughs> we get too far away from the costumes, I want to ask, 
So you you talked about a few good ones, but like, what do you think it is that makes a great costume for running? Because some people are running really fast in their costumes, right? So do you have to like think about how to integrate, I guess, like a spandexy atmosphere into your costume to still be able to move fast, right? Yeah. So if you would go to a run Disney race, you go to the expo and get all your stuff. And there are several brands that have like popped up and that is what they do. They make like, whether it's sparkle athletic, they have sparkle skirts or like a lot of people buy Etsy stuff where it's like a, like ink and bird shirts that have stuff like this. So all of that is there. Um, I always say to people, make sure you practice, you know, you have to do a long run and what you're going to wear. And I, this is hundred percent scouts on our true last week. And I was out on the trail. I keep pointing because it's right there. And we moved to live like on a running trail here in Orlando. I saw two people running in like their tutus. One was Donald Duck and one was Figment. And I was like, yes, you're doing it. And I don't think they had any idea who I was. And I was like way hype for them, but like they're practicing in their costumes, which you have to do because, you know, sometimes I'm lucky enough to run and they costume me for the run and they'll, give me stuff like I ran a 10k in a wig which I think you guys have a picture of and I was like okay and then I ran the half in January and I was like y'all this is a little different like 10k I'll, I'll yep got a wig cute half marathon like we, we've changed we've changed the, the, the threshold a little bit <laughs> like things can go much wrong much more wrong in this so um there's different levels of it but some people even just have fun because there's characters along the race so people will like run fast and then stand in line for like 20, 30 minutes to take a picture with the character all like while the clock is running, like <laughs> your time, like your time does not stop. Um, it's, it's cool that you get to have that experience. And then there's, you know, the people in the front that aren't really in costume for maybe it's just like a shirt. Um, my husband ran the princess half last year in a skirt and I didn't know he had like a skirt on, like one of these sparkle skirts. So I'm like looking for him. And you know how, if you guys have spectated, you know what your person's wearing. Like you're just basically scanning for that color. And this person comes and they have a skirt on. And I'm like, oh, that's not my husband. And I'm like, oh my God, that's my husband. <laughs> um, so whatever your goal is for the race, you can still be fast in a costume. Um, you can have costumes that you can only walk in. Like people have worn, like we had a Power of Terror 10 miler race, which is a ride at Hollywood Studios built on a, like based on a hotel. This person was a bell. That one I have done like, for sure. That one. Okay. okay, good. So, you know, the bell hops, it's like a big deal. This person was like in one of those bell carts that you would get at a hotel. She had made one and she was like running in it. Wow. It's like such a commitment level. I have a friend, um, Michael, who I've gotten to know. He holds a prop every time. And he will hold this prop like it was a soccer ball last time. Like it might be a sword, which every time we're like, why is this safe? Why are we letting people run with swords? Um, but people are very committed. They look forward to these things. So I, I love it. And you mentioned that you ran the half in January. I think that's where I got my two hour, uh, yes. half marathon time from that. So how does that work? How do you run a race and announce at the same, same event? You've been around long enough that they give you special favorites. <laughs> um, so I, like I said, I love running. So years ago we had kids races. So I would host the kids races. So the morning of whatever race was that morning, where it was usually the 10 K they would like give me that morning off. So I wasn't working like 1 AM to 2 PM straight through. They would give me that morning off. So I'd be like, can I just run this? Like, I don't, I'll, can I please run? And they were like, sure. So that kind of morphed into like them letting me run the 10 Ks. So for the half, it just happens to be on Saturday. Two years ago, I begged them to let me do it because I'd never run through the castle. And that's like the moment. And our director was nice enough to let me do it. He let me do it again this year. So I get there at the same time as the announcers. I do the whole show. Uh, right before the national anthem, I change shoes. I put my bib on. I go run. 
Um, usually they let me go home after I run, but this year I had to work to finish, which was more challenging than I anticipated. <laughs> like I likened it to like, I mean, imagine, you know, you finish a race and we'll do like a little interview with you guys if you, you're in the top three, but imagine like hours of that. Your no, like not firing on all cylinders. Also, you're like get, sweaty. Yeah, well, it was 40. It was beautiful running weather, but I likened it to like, I'm drunk. Like people would go by and I'd be like, I, I was like, you have an umbrella. You're wearing blue. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Talking out loud. And they were like, yeah, we didn't mean for you to stay. And I was like, well, you gave me the microphone. So. <laughs> Um, but it was really fun. And usually I'll take some pictures, take some videos, you know, we'll share them on social media, uh, which I did do in January. I just felt good. And I, you know how we are, like we get these times in our head and like, no, I can, I can do this. I can go sub too. Like, and then I was 30 seconds away, but I ran a really powerful negative split. And so I went for it. I didn't quit on myself, even though I knew I wouldn't make it. And I was proud of that. And then I had to announce it. You're just going to have to run another to get that sub too. I think if you're, you're I close, know, you, are, you know, it's like you such a fun weather day and it's like, oh, I was there and I, it's fine. I've run sub too. It just hasn't been post babies. So post baby two. So you'll, you'll yeah. be back to that. I have no doubt, but, um, Carissa, so run Disney has this huge following, right. And like, we can feel your energy and excitement around it. The races sell out and like very quickly, and people go back year after year to do these, right? And so do you think it's, is it something that people have to like love Disney for or like everyone should be trying these? What do you think makes it so popular for people? Like even I think that aren't Disney fanatics. I think because it's so different because it gives you that balance of like, I'm allowed to be a kid and have fun. And like, I'm doing something that is maybe scary and challenges me. And we always say, you know, we do our little pre-show pre like pre-race show where we go out to everybody's kind of staging we'll be like how many of you are here for the first time and people will raise their hands and we'll say how many of you are here with friends that you made at run disney and like so many hands go up so people really like make friends and then they keep coming back to be you know with these friends and i think that's unlike a lot of other environments i also think that because it's at disney it's you know, with, let's say an Ironman, it's hard to sell your family on like, let's, you know, let's go, I want to go to Lake Placid and I want to go to Madison, Wisconsin. Like it's not as easy as a sell of like, well, let's go to Disney. <laughs> um, so I think it makes a nice place that like families can come as well. And it can be something that everybody enjoys. And then the runner or the walker or the roller um, who's there gets to kind of do something for themselves. And it can be like a repeatable trip. And it's a little different every time the themes change. Um, most years with the races and people will theme their costumes to like that year's medal, whoever is on the medal and things like that. Um, so I think that's why it sort of becomes something people come back to. And then FOMO, if you've done it and then all the people you met are doing it, like serious FOMO, if, if you can get into the races, sometimes it's hard to get in as you mentioned. Yeah. So if someone is thinking about doing their first run Disney race, do you have a suggestion of new place to start? I know that there are multiple race weekends throughout the year. And I think, uh, I read that in 2024, Disneyland, uh, half marathons coming back, coming back, which I mean, it's going to be really hard to get in, but I love that race. Um, so just go to the race calendar and it's going to have all the days when like registration opens, just like you would with any race that, you know, it's going to sell out, put it on your calendar. Um, go ahead and sign up. Know that the 5Ks usually sign up, sell, uh, sell out early for some reason. And then the challenges were like, if you're doing the 10K and the half, then you get three medals. 
you should get the 10k and a half and then the challenge medal but just put it on your calendar get that day there's like a list of steps which there's so many bloggers out there that have advice but you need to have like a this is going to confuse everybody a little bit you need to have like a my disney experience account you need to have a login you need to know all that stuff like when you go to register and already be logged in so it's like a more seamless process <sighs> i know right. i can help you with I, I i don't have to register so i only know from like seeing other people but um just, i mean this is you have to want like, it the race yeah. starts at registration well, some of them sell out some of them you know don't always sell out but um or they eventually sell out but it's not as much of a like you know, rushing, signing on at that exact moment. But uh, yeah, there's a couple steps, but when you're there, it's super fun. You're going to get up early, but you're not going to regret it. You're going to have basically like a party through the parks with just you and a bunch of other people that like getting out there and moving. Well, I have, an, I, I have a hunch that our audience of Ironman triathletes um, are, are used to, you know, it doesn't happen quite as much anymore, but you used to have to be ready right at registration opening to get into those like diehard Ironman races we want to do. So they've been through this a little time or two if they yes. want to switch it up and try their hand at Disney. And so we do want to talk to you about announcing for Ironman. And you touched on it a little bit that in the last year or so you've kind of, you know, expanded your sports, ended up announcing for Ironman. Can you talk a little bit more about like exactly how that happened and kind of, you know, was it a similar thing where you were like, okay, let's Google how far is an Ironman now, right? Yeah. How far is a half Ironman now? Yeah. So, um, I started working um, 20 with Ironman in 2021. Ironman 70.3 Florida was my first race and they were working and are still working to bring more women announcers in. So luckily that um, benefited me because they were looking for, there's not a lot of tons of people with race announce experience that are women. So they were looking for someone to do it. So they kind of brought me in for that one as an audition, um, if you will. And then I did, I did enough job that I got put on the schedule for the next year. Um, but my husband is an Ironman. So I am totally Sherpa life. Like I <laughs> am very familiar. I was very familiar with the race distances, especially Ironman Florida 70.3, cause he'd done that twice. Um, so I was very familiar. Like that was a great place for me to start. Cause I was familiar with the course and with everything there and understanding, you know, some of your listeners may be like, yeah, we're not going to do the cha-cha slide before an Ironman lady. Like, no, <laughs> Like there's differences. And I, I was very aware of the differences between the two and just the massive commitment that it takes to be, you know, an Ironman or a triathlete at any level. So they brought me over and um, I've, I've loved it. You know, it's a great experience. It's a very different type of day than say a run Disney day. Um, but what I love to do is celebrate people and celebrate their achievements, you know, throughout that journey. So it fits right in with you know, a little bit of the magic that Disney has too is, is seeing someone do something they didn't believe was possible. People laugh at me because I'm always like, please cry when you finish. As long when people cry when they finish. It's like, <laughs> so um, yeah, that's how I got there. And to this Ironman, I think we are knock on wood. The plan is to have one female announcer at every full Ironman um, this upcoming season. So um, that's the plan. You know, obviously plans change, but yeah, I seem to be seeing a lot more women on the mic at Ironman. That's fantastic news. And as someone who cries at a lot of finish lines, I've actually had photographers be like, don't cry quite so much. But, um, <laughs> I don't think they think it doesn't look as good of a picture, but I'm like, I love it. I think I look great. But um, you did like you did announce at uh, Coeur d'Alene 70.3 last summer. And I think you were the first woman to be a lead announcer at that race. So this Ironman's investment in women announcers, you being the first, like why, what does, how is that distinction important to you? Um, I think it's huge because a lot of times, you know, when I was with Disney, I was the first female announcer at Disney, but I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know it was 
a thing, right? And and when I look at it and I'm like, wait, you've never had a woman as a lead announcer. You've never had a woman do briefings and things like that. Like, it's just because a lot of times you, you know, as a race announcer, you're someone who's around the race and you just, oh, can you help out? Can you announce? And a lot of times that's men because the sport of triathlon is still primarily male. So I'm excited that they gave, you know, me a chance <laughs> to do it, to show that like, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, if you're you know, you do your research, you're passionate about the sport, you're, you're passionate about helping the athletes, and it can be a man, a woman, anybody up there. So it was really meaningful to me, and especially as a mom, to like show my daughter that like, you know, women can do whatever men can. And I think that's important for people to see similar faces. And especially I've had a lot of women, you know, give me positive feedback, like, thank you for the way you do your briefing, because it was not, it was interesting, and you were engaging, and you kind of understood some of our, our different thoughts and questions and things like that because you you are a woman and maybe we're more empathetic or I don't know what it is but um I think it's important to have that representation and it meant a lot to me that they believed in me enough to be like all right kiddo you know up you go <laughs> um and I didn't get pulled off stage and then I did I've uh, done briefings ever since I did the welcome ceremony in Ironman Canada um this past year as well which was really an honor so we'll just keep rolling and bringing more women in and with something like Ironman Canada, you know, thinking about North American Ironman, they're really well known for their finish line atmosphere into the final hour of the race. So, you know, is that kind of a similar aspect of keeping energy going, um, you know, through obviously Disney had to have been great practice, right? I mean, those were mm -hmm. long, long days, but what is it like to keep the energy going for 17 hours of people racing? Yeah. So we have two announcers, which Thank goodness we have this now. And we did not have Mike Riley at Ironman Canada because that was one of the races he didn't do. So it was a little bit different where when Mike was there, you know, Mike was there and he's going to leave to go to the bathroom and he's going to come right back. So there were two of us. So we kind of just bounced off and on. I think it was like every hour we would switch. We would overlap a little bit. Um, I actually had a double ear infection and sinus infection that whole time. And I was insanely just, I would go back to the room and I would just lay still and then I would come back out. and. I didn't sound great, but I made it through. But even that last hour, I was out there and I was spinning the shirts and we had bells and stuff because it's so exciting. And once you get into that, like, it's, you're like, I mean, you, as an announcer, you kind of are a performer, right? Once you're into that, that's all you care about is, is doing what you're, you're there to be doing, cheering everybody on and celebrating everybody. So it is a little bit like, like that Disney atmosphere. But what I love about triathlons is the speed at which people finish. You know, if you're at a big road race with 25,000 people, you're, it's like, there's times where I can't say your name. I can barely, you know, see everybody, but with a triathlon, especially an Ironman, when you have that more time, you can like look into somebody's eye and see them and, and tell them like, you know, you are an Ironman and have that connection and make them feel really special in a moment that, you know, will probably be one of the highlights of their life. And so it's really fun, especially those last couple hours to be down there on that magic carpet. But I love being down there for every hour, except I do want less of this at Ironman is the frowny face people who like are the super competitive and the race didn't go as possible as they wanted to. And I'm like, damn, look at you. And Indian's like, <laughs> just fake it for me, please. Like, you know, they're like the emoticon, like none of that at finish lines this year, please. Like just be proud of the race of the day you had like, for that little moment. So cry. Yes. But don't like, <laughs> <laughs> we will we will put the word out no Please. more uh no more frowning like, emoji like they look at me like they're mad at me that I called their name like I didn't have a good race lady like <laughs> <laughs> you finished no I it's hard Ironman is hard but 
uh, after Canada, you did go to the Ironman World Championships in Kona last October, October which was two Ironmans. You you know you did your first three very quick succession. Yeah. Can, what were your first impressions of Kona? Oh my gosh. So Kona, like my husband has as as an Ironman, like Kona is like this amazing massive thing in his mind, and he's always like built it up to be like this amazing, just such a honor right and it literally was from being on the plane you know sitting next to somebody that was a legacy athlete like every part of it lived up to like being this giant really huge big deal that was really hot <laughs> um, um but it was such an honor to be able to be there and to be able to see the athletes coming back from you know corona and having it be like that first race too I think had a different energy to it just a mass of people um that were there so that was a definite like pinch me moment that I got to go because in February they talked to me about like would you be interested in going and I was like like they text me and I was like it was a joke text like am I interested in going to Kona like of course um but I didn't actually know I was going until like maybe August or even into September and I had this shirt that I bought when my husband and I went on vacation to Hawaii and every time I'd go travel I'd sleep in that shirt like trying to manifest like I'm gonna go to Hawaii. Like I'm gonna get to go. <laughs> like I want to go work. I want to go work in Kona. I want to be a woman there. I want to be, you know, Joanne Murphy and I. Like I want to be there for women. I want to show Ironman that like you can trust a woman on the mic. You know, at this big event that like let us have this stage to be able to to bring in women on you know the women's only day. So um, just an amazing honor to be able to be there. I um, don't know if I'll be there next year. I hope so. Um, but it was really cool. Can you tell us more about the whole announcing team that was in Hawaii and what your role specifically was through the week? Yes. Yeah, so the announcing team that was there, obviously Mike Riley and Paul Kay, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Paul is one of the, you know, we don't have like, I don't know, like he does a lot of the European races and a lot of the Europeans, like he's their Mike Riley because they're so used to hearing him as Mike Riley is here. So they were on the finish line. Joanne Murphy, who you guys know, who's a fantastic um, athlete and announcer from Ireland. She did a lot of the, there's so many, as you guys know, meetings and, and breakfasts and lunches and things that go on and sort of seminars that go on throughout that week. So she helped facilitate a lot of those. So I shadowed a lot, basically like watching what everybody was doing, learning how it's so much different than like a traditional event. Um, so I worked the hot corner. I worked the kids race. I worked bike check-in and I um, announced some of the volunteer uh, dinner. I did get up on the big stage at the end there. So so really, uh, we had a lot of fun on Hot Corner and doing bike check-in, and I actually interviewed four out of the top five women. So I feel like I was a good luck ticket there um, for those those pros that were coming in. Um, it was it was challenging, you know, working Hot Corner those back-to-back days. Um, like it was, it's fatiguing as well. But you you just remembering why everybody is there and like what this means to everybody. Like you're just there for that little moment and you're there for the spectators and you're there for the athletes and just bringing them through um like it, it when you look back you're like wow did I really work like two days and then go do this and like but yeah because it, it you know it goes by so fast and the honor that you have to be just with a front row seat to that type of racing for all of those athletes is, is just tremendous and then I would go to the finish line and watch the last you know hour hour and a half after we closed uh closed down the hot corner I, um, I think Joanne interviewed me when I came in, I thought I was, I did really, I didn't, was in top five, but I was very happy with my race. So I'll, I'll call Joanne my good luck charm on that one. And then I do think when I was coming through the hot corner on the run, I think it was like Tom Zebart who was on the mic because he was like, he called me a free spirit. And I was like, am I a free spirit? I, it was just like, you're kind of, I'm going to put it. money that that was EG. Eric. Okay. Maybe that's who it was. I'm I can't gonna, remember. Gonna... Okay. 
me I was like it was definitely a men's voice he would say something like that but I was like I was just like a free spirit I was like and it was I was definitely like very hot very much hurting as I was going through that and I heard that and I was like maybe I am maybe I can do this I don't know it was like you don't always hear but like you kind of do hear what the people what the announcers are saying like you said how do you feel about Mike Riley's retirement I feel so I'm really I well out of him like what he's done for the industry and across every race announcer I mean he's changed changed it and he's changed so many lives and he's means so much to so many people I'm sad only because I was supposed to work Coeur d'Alene with him this year like we originally were like talking about our schedules it's like and you're gonna get to work Coeur d'Alene with Mike and I was like oh my god I'm gonna work with Mike like I'd never worked a race with him obviously now that's not happening and that's okay um I think he's gonna be so missed it's gonna be so challenging to like, I'm anxious. I'm nervous to have to, like, not step in his void, but, like, he's not going to be there. So are we going to be enough for people who have for so many years, like, had that thought of Mike Riley and that moment in their heads? Like, I want to make sure that we are enough and that they feel that same sort of acknowledgement um, when they're there. So I will be definitely super, super missed. And I just missed the chance of learning from him. I got to do that in Kona a little bit, especially. He's such a wonderful um, – I've said this to a lot of people – in the two races that I worked with him, cause I shadowed completely in St. George. And then I got to work in Kona. Like my thought process on what it means to be a leader has like greatly grown, like because of working with him just for those couple races. Cause he would send, you know, there's group texts with all the announcers and he would always send like such positive messages and then like such complimentary messages, like really just continually supporting everybody. And me being super new, like I could have shown up and they could have been like, what is this girl doing here? Like, well, you know what I mean? They didn't have to be so welcoming and so loving. And so like sharing with their advice and knowledge and not just Mike, but like everybody was. So I think from a leadership point of view, like he will be missed on our team as well, but I learned an immense amount from him and I approach other relationships with announcing um, differently because just like with athletes, you know, there's the thought that you're competitors, but I know there's this whole like with, is greater than against movement that we're seeing um, on female triathletes. Like I think that can be expanded to so many areas of life that we really all would do better if we supported each other. Wow. Not necessarily being competitive. We can have similar goals, but we can still support each other and that helps us rise. So um, I learned that from him and that'll be something that'll improve hopefully my relationship for the rest of my life. Maybe if the frowny faces are out there listening, they can think about supporting others during their <laughs> bad days and that will help them smile as they come through the finish line. Exactly. Um, Carissa, so this was the first year that we've had the two separate days of racing for men and women in Kona. Was there kind of chatter among the announcing team of like how to just, you know, were there different, was there a different approach from that point of view, obviously, other than you guys having to do double duty, right? Um, Yeah. Just in terms of like, you know, I don't know, the vibes you'd be bringing on the day or anything like that. I don't think there was any chatter about anything like that, you know, from our point of view, our job is our job and we all have a unique we're all a little bit different in our styles but the goal is the same um and especially at the world championship um it's you know just kind of following not the rules but like you're going to be at your best and and they really are like mike and paul and joanne they bring such an air of like professionalism and knowledge to what they do and i don't think that changed i think the only thing that we talked about was what happened with the women were like if someone would finish physically before that first woman was the only like thing that was kind of going around and then I remember when so when Chelsea came by I'm like you know wh- who has another mom won and I think for a while they were saying that 
she was the first mom, but we hot corner had already established that she was not because Eric and Tom are like walking encyclopedias of everything. And they were like, literally you could see their minds. Like, no, yes, Natasha, like she has a kid. So we kind of worked through all of that in our little hot corner moment, because we're still there. Like we can't see the finish necessarily like because we're still very much in the heat of what we're doing. Um, So those were only the different things and the timing of everything, looking at that of like, you know, when we're going to be, when and where, but every race was approached, you know, exactly the same otherwise. And Carissa, you, you have this exceptional ability that you alluded to, to combine your passions. We, we didn't really touch on your registered dietitian career, but you have that as well. And I believe also later this year, you have a book coming out with your father-in-law, Olympian Jeff Galloway, and it's called Run, Walk, Eat. So can you tell us about the book and how we should pre-order it? Oh, yes, that would be awesome. Um, I right now on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. So run, walk, eat is, as I mentioned before, like I was like, I can't run a marathon, but if you let me take a walk break, like I can do that. And I think when we think about improving our diet, if we take the same philosophy, it can help like, well, if I have to eat perfect every single day, I'm not going to do that. But if I understand like I can take a cheat meal or I can have that break, you know, that same kind of philosophy of like, okay, I've eaten this, 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 it's okay if I have you know, my coffee with my very unhealthy cinnamon toast crunch creamer in it because I just had my hearty whole grain avocado toast with my organic blueberries and all that. So it's a system where you understand how to build your diet. I'm really focused on education. Like if I write you a diet, you might follow it for a week, but if I educate you on how to build a plate that includes balanced carbohydrates, protein, and good for you fat, you can take that knowledge and recreate that same concept as your life goes on and make those sustainable long-term better for your nutrition changes. So the book goes through, you know, kind of like a nutrition education. It gives you ideas for meal plans, for recipes. It goes into foods that you're not eating enough of, um, foods that as a dietitian, I want people to eat more of, um, as well as like some frequently asked questions and things like that. And then there's some talk of the subconscious brain, which Jeff comes in at kind of overriding that subconscious brain, getting into your conscious brain, which that's when you're out there on a workout and your brain's telling you, I can't do this. I can't do this. And you're flipping those thoughts. Um, a lot of that's the same way with food. We let our subconscious brain make choices and it's kind of just acknowledging that realization and the control that you do have over your choices. And that should be out in September. Is that right? It will be out. Yeah, we're done with it. We actually handed it off like last October, but everything in the world, as we know, everything takes longer than it used to. So all the artwork is done, as you see, if you look it up, and then I'll see available in September. So really excited um, about that opportunity. And, and yes, I... I'm a dietitian. So that's such a strange. Everybody's like, wait, what do you? What's your job? Like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a dietitian all week, and I'm raising out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your business card's got to be full of full of the titles. Um, and. Your race season's obviously well underway at this point, but where else can we expect to see you announcing in 2023 or maybe even jumping into a race um, yourself? Um, yes. Yeah, so I will be finishing Run Disney season. We have Princess Half Marathon in February, then Springtime Surprise. I'll be for Rock and Roll at Rock and Roll Nashville and Rock and Roll San Antonio. And then come May, we hit the road running with Ironman. I'll be at Gulf Coast 70.3, which is going to be a men's pro race this year. Um, shout out to my husband, the relay team placed there with first, his first Ironman award ever. He was so excited. Um, they'll be there defending any relay teams that want to come to Gulf Coast. <laughs> um, I will be at Ironman Tulsa, Ironman Coeur d'Alene, Ironman Wisconsin, Ironman Lake Placid, 
70.3 Springfield. I get confused. They're all there. I can. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> There's a good chance we're gonna hear you. There's yeah. a good chance. There's a very good chance. Maryland. I believe Chattanooga will be, I'm in California, but I believe Chattanooga will be knock on wood the first time there's two female announcers. It will only be women, I believe, in Ironman Who's Chattanooga. Who's joining you, Joanne? Or uh, someone Jill, else? Jill, actually. Jill. Jill Rittenberg. So she okay. lives in Virginia, so she'll be there. Um, Joanne may be in Ironman California with me, but there would be three of us, and one would be a man, but Joanne may stay, because last year she came over and she stayed after Kona. Okay. Um, but those decisions come from farther up than than me <laughs> and hopefully but, uh, hopefully back for the all women's Kona right I mean it sounds like you don't know hope, yet but but I don't know but I hope so <laughs> and if not I'll be at the Des Moines Marathon because this year Kona is late mm-hmm. to the moon right um so usually I announce the Des Moines Marathon so I said if I'm not there I'll be in Des Moines but I'd rather be in Kona on the women's only day because I think that would be really cool if they had an all women finish line for the women's only day no offense Paul I love you Paul K. <laughs> it's all good well thank you so much Chris it's been great getting to know you a little better and we can't wait to hear you on the mic at a bunch of races this year awesome and good luck to both of you I can't wait to celebrate you big thanks to Carissa for coming on the show cannot wait to hear her announcing in Coeur d'Alene I hope to be there and Alyssa I got a little scoop because since you recorded this I do know that Carissa ran the Galloway half marathon in Atlanta it's a pretty popular half marathon that happened just a couple weeks ago and she broke two hours. So Woo-hoo! super excited. <laughs> Big congratulations on hitting that milestone again. I think she had done it previously, but at this point in life to hit it again is always a, a fun, fun milestone. So congratulations to her. And we can't wait to see her announcing it later at events later this year. All right, Haley. I hope spring is finally going to spring for you in Bozeman this week, but um, you know, hang in there. It'll come. I will talk to you next week. Bye, Alyssa. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.